Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I am your host, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Reed, aka Sick Robot. How you doing? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going, everyone? And in this episode, we'll be covering Craft Brews. You know, it's uh, we're going to be going into our rating our favorite craft. No, 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 no. Sorry, it's crafting brews. Sorry, I misread that. That was my bad. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about <laughs> brewing in CDH and kind of, you know, some philosophy around that and also, um, I guess, some brewing advice, but kind of more of a meta discussion this week. So, hope you guys are yes, into that. We, we've definitely done, um, we've done a brewing episode before. I think it was like episode like 12 or 13 or something like that. Um. Where I feel like we got into like the nuts and bolts of like how do you actually go through the process of brewing, and this one is definitely like a much higher level take on that and sort of talking about brewing styles, etc. Hmm. Um. But before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? I know you guys have. Uh, you guys got got a, a a bit of stuff to cover. Uh, I d- I didn't join you guys you in Minneapolis, but you know you guys can. Uh, Go ahead, share your experience. Bad way to spoil it. Well, we went to uh, MagicCon Minneapolis. And Much to the surprise of like half of the people there, because we did really did not do a good job of like letting people know that we were going to make it out. Look, it's other people's job to know where we are. That's... Exactly. That we need a conceded at all, right? Like the the guy who tracks Elon Musk's jet on Twitter, just that for where <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for going to be at this con. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, we we met up with some cool people and played some games and did some events and ate some had good a party food. and yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Yeah, um, some good stuff. Uh, I suppose we should go through some highlights real quick. Um. So we played Shout with out the, everyone you met, and if you miss someone, everyone's gonna be mad. At it's you. personal. That's the <laughs> if, if yeah. we don't say you, it's personal. And I'm not gonna say anybody because I don't remember anybody that we met. So it's personal to all of you. Fuck you. With our hands. <laughs> next time we see each other at a con. Reed's actually the worst. <laughs> I I am legitimately terrified. I I don't remember anybody anytime ever. So like you know, just keep just. Just yell at me until I remember you is basically like what you got to do there. Um, Honestly, yeah, just yell at Reed. There, there, there <laughs> that, yeah, you I don't even do. have to wait. Um, yeah. Open invitation. A, if you see him at a con, just scream. It was great meeting a bunch of people, though. Um, we got we got a few games in with uh, peeps and fans and such. Um, there was actually... I feel like there was a... There, there was like less of the general population CDH delegation out there. Um, this time compared to like, I mean, obviously like CDH tournaments are going to have a higher density of CDH players, <laughs> duh. But like, it felt, it felt like the ratio of content creators out there to, uh, just like general. I, I don't, I don't know. CDH I feel like was, uh, people just, I mean, it was, they were like a large group, but uh, I feel like a yeah. lot of, we just like didn't get to interact with a lot of people. Cause like when That's I walked through the command zone, there were like tables and tables of people playing certainly what Comp. looked on the surface, like competitive pods. No, well, there you go. I'm actually super happy about that because that's even more people that I uh, don't have to remember the names of and are still being a healthy and good part of the community. <laughs> just, just the worst. <laughs> just the worst. Yeah. Just the worst. Oh, uh, man. Oh. So uh, yeah, just, just for those keeping score at home, Reed is 
happy you're part of the community. He just doesn't want to interact with you. You're not hey, good if, enough. If you're for if attention. you're if you're happy to you interact with me and accept that I'm just not gonna remember your name for the next time that we meet, I'm more than happy to have a discussion and play games. <laughs> um it was it was good though. We got some uh, got some good games in. Um, I'm not for sure, Morgan. I I was I was gonna nab it, but do you want to tell the story of like the the one event that we actually have a story for? <laughs> yeah, like you mean our our pioneer seal? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we did uh, we did the pioneer sealed, which is um a sealed event where you open one pack of every set in pioneer. Which, uh, oh for those of you who aren't exactly <laughs> sure, uh, that's every standard legal set since Return to Ravnica came out. Which is uh, over ten, ten years. and a half years ago. <laughs> Holy uh, shit. <laughs> so, so it was uh, 44 packs. Yep. Um, and With an you build, hour and a half to build yeah, a 60 card deck. <laughs> you build a 60 card seal deck from 44 packs. Um, and it was awesome. Got to see like some absolutely wild interactions from cards that were definitely not designed to be played together and people like like i don't know there was just a whole bunch of like <laughs> really interesting stuff that could happen obviously like design philosophy has shifted a lot over that time <laughs> yeah yeah uh, things are pretty different now than they were uh 10 years ago i would say um and so yeah, it was it was really neat to see. Uh, I wound up uh, playing zombie tribal, like unironically, because I wound up opening three zombie lords. Um, and uh, would you like to would you like to recount for the audience the discussion that we had before playing said seal event? Yeah. So we were talking <laughs> about like, okay, what are like you know one of the first things we went through like what are the absolutely unbeatable draft bombs that are are in this set. Um, and we came and up then, with like you know like some masterpieces, Oko, Uro, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, I, you know, read like mentioned zombie tribal, and I was like, no way, right? Like, like yeah, well, there's a so, bunch. So we were we were talking about like the draft archetypes that we thought might be good in general. It's like you know you can play like maybe you can play like some white weedy stuff. You can play like uh some other like random thing maybe like there's uh there might be like a merfolk deck or something like there and i was like oh, you could probably like end up with zombie tribal <laughs> and like, i was Morgan like says. man all the all the lords <laughs> like you have to just open a lord and like you know th there's like four or five packs that can have good lords and like you have to open in like two or three of those and i wound up opening three zombie related <laughs> rares uh and so that was pretty good uh <laughs> I also, uh, I, I feel a little bad for one of my opponents who, uh, he played, I think it's Mage Ring Responder, like it's a creature, it's a bear with prowess that has to attack, um, and I had a black cat and a, um, is it Citadel Siege? Whichever palace the black siege? one is. Palace, palace Siege, I think. I had a black cat and a Palace Siege, so he was forced to attack, I would block with my black cat, he would discard a card at random, and then in my upkeep, I would return the black cat to my hand, play it again, and do it again <laughs> next turn. Oh, boy. So good. Um, dope. Also, also my final, my final game, Reed was watching because his opponent had to leave, so they wound up just yeah. IDing in the last round. Uh, the last game, uh, 
we were like sort of stalled out. I was slowly getting ahead on board, but he had like 40 life or something. Uh, and then I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm pulling ahead here. So this is good. And then he, he uh, slammed a, approach the second son i was like oh no <laughs> yeah I, so so I, like, I walked over to the table and i see the both it like i just i just like walk over and by the time that i get over they're both at like 30 life with a massively clogged board and i'm just like huh i have no idea what's going on and then the dude cast approach the second son i'm just like ah i now know what's going on <laughs> um and basically i like yeah so i look at it and i'm like okay i guess i just have to race i'm throwing everything i have into the race and uh, I killed him with the approach as the top card of his library. So it was uh, in the last very turn much of a time. very much a photo finish. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, in the last turn of turns, <laughs> unreal. Man, uh, that, uh, those moments always stress me out so much. If it just comes down to the absolute wire, if it's like moto, if there's time, or you know, time gets called in a tournament. Man, I I hate that. I hate it so much. <laughs> But, yeah, speaking of, um, you know, time getting called in tournaments, uh, other new development, or not new development, I guess, uh, what we've been up to since the last episode was uh, Bufftown Bullies. So I uh, finally joined you guys down in Buffalo. You, you guys went, you've, you've been once prior to this previous one, Yeah, right? we've only done it once, yeah. Okay. So last time, um, Morgan and Reed both made it to the finals, and Reed won, took home a duel. Uh, pretty sweet. And then I was like, "Oh, it's definitely a good time." This is this is kind of this is kind of sweet. You know, Buffalo's not too far <laughs> from awesome. where yeah. I am. You know, it's a reasonably sized CDH tournament, which you know, just for whatever reason, can't be. I mean, fired they they and... capped out registration too, right? So it's just yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. It's cool to see the CDH community growing like that. Wish we had something like that in Toronto, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not entirely our fault or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I drove down, uh, joined you guys, and uh, didn't do too bad myself this time. Uh, made it to the finals, uh, <laughs> which was the craziest finals pod I've ever seen. Man, holy crap! It was ridiculous <laughs> yeah so i did i did quite well in swiss and then in semis the, i ended with, up with getting real yeah, yeah i was playing real context for everybody um uh what were you guys playing again it was uh uh i was just on tnt because i didn't feel like putting another thing together and uh i think morgan was also on tnt yeah it was i was playing different versions of tnt right cats. yeah yes. yeah doing some breakfast deluxe stuff not that anybody actually cares <laughs> and I guess, I mean, Morgan, so Reed, you didn't make it to semis, uh, right? I did but not. I, uh, I scrubbed. Morgan, Morgan did. And then we placed, we played against each other in semis and. Yeah. Wow. It was my birthday and he just ruthlessly. <laughs> Reed, Reed had asked me to, he's like, Linda, just send, send like, Morgan please. home. I want to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, me, me and Morgan came over to the same car and Linda drove down to a separate car. So I, like, I scrubbed out before semis and Morgan makes it to semis. So I'm just like, okay, Linden, you're in the same pod as Morgan. You just, just mercilessly crush him in like the first three turns so he just go home. <laughs> and he went, he didn't even have the decency to do that. He just blood mooned me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I blood mooned you. And then I, um, uh, I blade blast fireball, and then from the ashes, yeah, <laughs> from the for ashes. good measure. It was pretty fun. Um, was yeah, so, so fun. did uh, the pretty well made it to the uh, finals. Was first going first in finals on real. I was like, oh man, this is sweet. Um, I only lost once. Uh, so I had a uh, a draw 
two wins and a loss. So the the loss was my first uh, match of the tournament against a uh, fellow Canadian who drove down to Buffalo, uh, Derek, who was playing Liberator, uh, the the legendary Shimmermer, and got absolutely uh, clapped. Match one, and then I see him again in the finals. I was like, Ah, I know your tricks now. Okay, Liberator. Uh, so the pod and was myself clapped. on, on Riel. <laughs> uh, next up was Zinder Split Ocom, Ocom, yeah. whatever. Uh, then yeah. Liberator, and then Thalia and Get Rock. Thalia Get Rock, <laughs> which is insane. So you you'd think so that's like, Man, this is like some kind of soft, soft tournament, you know, nobody's bringing right. real yeah. decks. The field wasn't even soft. Like no? I, I know, like me and Morgan were playing real decks. There, like everybody else was playing very. There was decks. so there much Nagilas, like, yeah. like yeah, just insane. And then yeah, that's the finals pod. That's that's what I love about CDH. Okay, you know that's. I don't want to see a bunch of blue farms in the finals. I want to see some diversity. Maybe maybe this was a bit too much diversity, but uh, whatever. Yeah. So uh, congratulations to. Uh, uh, fellow Canadian Derek for taking it down with Liberator, and um, we keep coming down. Well, we'll come down again, and, we'll, and uh, we got to maintain we'll our record of Canadian bullying. supremacy. We'll just, yeah. yeah, we'll just keep bullying the guys down in Buffalo because <laughs> we, uh, well, we just we have to just keep putting two Canadians in the semis every time. Yeah, so if you're if you're an American listener and you're in the uh, you know you're you're within a reasonable drive to Buffalo. Um, or I guess the Buffalo area. Definitely uh, look into these tournaments and, you know, come there and and try and, you know, don't let your country down because we're going to... I mean, <laughs> we're going to come in and we're going to... I mean, also, if blazing. you're Canadian living in the general, like, Toronto area or, like, a bit west of Toronto... Oh, very true. consider yeah. it as well. I, I mean, it's well worth the day trip down, especially if you're, like, to the west end of Toronto or, like, at west of Toronto, like London is. Um, you definitely, like... It's like an hour and a half drive from you or something like that. Uh, it's just like it's the same drive time for you guys as me. Like it's like an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like around there. Hour twenty, um, whatever. So very much worth the drive to uh, come hang out, play some the uh, nice CDH tournaments, especially because we're not getting major CDH tournaments in Toronto anytime soon, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> and so. the tournament doesn't start. It doesn't start like too too early, so like you no, don't have to no, wake no, up no, at no, like no. five a.m. or anything like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it's a uh, good time. So yeah, big uh, big shoutouts to uh, it's Tad who runs the tournament. It's, it's just the, the buff down bullies run it generally. Okay, yeah. well, well, I know we were, I was talking uh, talking with him about uh, like having a Discord and things more centralized, and he said he was working on that. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely be shilling that as uh, we'll we'll link to their content Discord as mm-hmm. is right now, and then uh, if uh, if it, if like their event Discord uh, gets set up or anything like that, we'll definitely make sure to link to that one too. 100%. Okay. Well, that was a long, long intro segment. Long uh, so, yeah. I mean, we're already dead in the intro either. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Let's uh, let's jump into housekeeping quickly. Um, so as always, in housekeeping, we like to give a shout out to our new patrons. Uh, so big shout outs to uh, Halmar? God, like, really? It's like the easiest. <laughs> I knew it. Morgan, Morgan said <laughs> you would it. have trouble with this, and I'm just like, no, no way. It's so easy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like part of it is easy. I'm still not sure what A sound it's supposed I'd, to be. What's what's Yalmar? Thor's what? hammer called? What's Thor's hammer Mjolnir? called? Mjolnir? But that's an right. O. Right, just what it's the same orientation of J's sandwich between like a consonant. No, and I a get vowel. what sound the J's supposed to make. I just don't know what sound the A is supposed to make. It's like Yalmar. 
All right, okay. well, well uh, let us know in the YouTube comments how horrifically Reed butchered your name. Yeah, uh, like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big, big, big thank you um, for becoming a patron and help supporting the podcast. Um, I guess uh, that's housekeeping and new developments. We have yeah. just buff town bullies, which I mean, I think we kind of so, covered that. Yeah, we, got, we got that shout out covered. Um, but also, actually, before we get into the main topic, uh, it was brought to my attention that when I'm in my last episode or the last episode that I was on, um, I had gotten back. It had been, I had done a trip to Europe and I'd, it's been a while. It had been a while when I came back and I'd forgot to give a shout out to, uh, one of my friends I saw there. Uh, so, uh, chicken, AKA or, or Ivar, uh, I know him from magic, the, the get rock server and, uh, crash at his place. He showed me around Belgium. So, uh, big shout outs to you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I think that covers that. You guys and... took a leisurely 20-minute stroll around Belgium. <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> we went to Amsterdam. And I was like, no way you can go to Amsterdam. It was like a two-hour drive. I was like, yes. wow. <laughs> you, don't, you don't really realize how small Europe is until you actually experience it. Imagine, imagine driving to another... I mean, we, I was going to say driving to another country for... like That's what we're doing for CDH for Buffalo, but like... Yeah, except you're driving to <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah. Like, literally <laughs> as far as... As it is as to Amsterdam, Amsterdam from, from yeah. yeah, that's so funny. But yeah, uh, okay. So on to the main topic, which is crafting brews. So I want to start with more of kind of a meta discussion around this subject. Um, and so the kind of not just at the brewing level, just above that level a bit. Um, we want to talk about the different ways that people enjoy the format. Um, the reason for this is we'll, we'll get into it, but um, partially is that there's so many different ways that people enjoy it. And I think there's a lot of discourse in the community about um, how people enjoy the format. And some people thinking that their way is better or, you know, sometimes they'll look down on people who enjoy it a particular way. And I just very much wanted to stress that what's important is your own enjoyment of the format. I mean, so long as that's not coming at like other people, the, the expense of other people's enjoyment. Um, but you know, everyone's allowed to enjoy the format in their own way. And so, you know, there's a couple different ways that we have outlined here. So, you know, some people enjoy gameplay the most, brewing, optimizing decks, or the community and social aspect. And obviously there's like a hybrid of all of these, um, or, you know, mix and match, whatever. But these are all different kind of priorities that people have, uh, for enjoying the, the format and, yeah, just be content enjoying it in your way and realize that other people might enjoy it in other ways and uh, don't get butthurt about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other people are having fun wrong. Uh, that's that's so much of Twitter <laughs> discourse. It's injustice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think these will, those kind of categories, yeah, gameplay, brewing, optimizing, and the community social. Um, are sort of reflected in, or like optimizing, you know, can get touched on in brewing. And um, so, so I just wanted to touch on that first before we kind of delved in a bit deeper on brewing specifically. Um, but yeah, let's move on to brewing more specifically. And I'll let you guys kind of break down some of these categories. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, the obvious one and the one that's, I think, actually probably like least represented amongst CDH players probably maybe not at this point I think this is probably true a couple of years ago 
which is just uh not brewing, so net decking. Um with like that's <laughs> if you saw that in Twitch chat it would be like net decking like in in uh in parentheses, not discriminatory. <laughs> like not, <laughs> not, not, not derogatory. Not, yeah, not yeah, derogatory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because net decking is Totally valid, and it's how a lot of the best players in the game uh, pick decks for tournaments. Is just oh, I, that person did really well. This deck looks really good. I'm just going to copy it and then play it a bunch. Um, totally valid. Um, I feel like yeah, I think yeah, it's actually maybe... grown a lot since like a lot of the sixty card players kind of like started coming to the format. Obviously, well, and and I feel like it's a there's been just a large growth of CDH in general pulling people in from a lot of different spheres. Like, it sort of felt like when we got involved in CDH, the, sort of the the main funnel was just, like, EDH up to CDH, and, yeah. like, that that's sort of a recipe for people sort of, like, thinking that net decking is just, like, not a good yeah, thing yeah, to be yeah. doing, or that it's like, oh, like, I don't, I don't want to be a net decker like you. But, like, when you get people coming in from, like, 60-card formats, or people who have experience just, like, going to FNMs and playing meta decks and stuff like that, they're like, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's not net decking, I just, like, take the decks that are good and then, like, use those as resources to play and get better. Yeah, I um, think a lot more people are going down this avenue as their intro to CDH, and I think it's, honestly, it's encouraged by most community members being like, oh, hey, it's, it's you're so new much to the format, your first deck. try yeah. something that we know works, and, you know, I mean, and then I, I that was... way... <laughs> I've been pushing for that for, like, half a decade now for new players to be like, okay, I understand you want to build your own deck. Please just, like, play a couple of games with, like, these good, like, top-tier meta decks so you have, like, a barometer for what the format looks like before just, like, diving immediately into the spiciest brews note to man. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, and you know, to speak to the no, the non-derogatory aspect of it, it's like, yeah, I think Brian, Brian Koval uh, has won two CDH tournaments now, and he said that when he first came to the format, he kind of, um, you know, looked around, saw some stuff. He heard that Blue Farm was the best deck. He found a Blue Farm list he liked, started playing it, you know, maybe did some tweaking and optimizing um, for his own personal preference. But, you know, it's not like he brewed it up from scratch. And uh, he piloted that to two tournament wins. Um, basic, and, you know, he's fairly back new to the format. Right? So that's, like, very, very impressive. Yeah. And, anyway. yeah, definitely there's no shame in, you know, working off of what someone else has kind of put a lot of time and energy into already. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. We all stand on the shoulders, shoulders of shaper, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, never it's, just, it's just, it's shaper all the way down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Morgan. Uh, yeah. So, so the next, uh, sort of thing that you might look at when you're, when you're brewing is, uh, you know, whether it's going to be solo or collaborative. And I think this is, you know, we're sort of presenting it as a dichotomy, but it's definitely more of a spectrum. Um, lo there are lots of people and lots of spaces where you can, uh, you know, you go off, you largely brew on your own, and then, you know, you uh, you have some people to act as your rubber duck. You you come back and you go, hey, here's, uh, here's you know, what I've been what I've been doing, what do you guys think, do you have suggestions, that sort of thing. Um, you know, often the deck servers can be a great resource for that, even if you're not, you know, hopping in voice calls and brewing the whole deck together from from scratch, just, uh, you know, a second set of eyes is often a very valuable thing. Yeah, also the, you know, Morgan's saying it's a spectrum, and that's certainly true, uh, but the level of collaboration, you know, you can bring on collaborators at different stages in a brew, right? Like, I think there's 
I guess we don't really have this in our show notes, but I think brews kind of, you know, there's there's stages. You, it starts as like maybe just yeah. an idea, um, and then you get like a sketch of of what the deck might look like, and then you know you start refining it. You maybe got like a hundred card considering board, blah blah blah. You know, maybe you bring on collaborators there to help you narrow that down, or maybe it's a more um, polished brew, but you know it doesn't have enough testing, and so you bring on collaborators to help you know test cards and slots and just get you know more feedback and, and, and games and just accelerate that, um, process. So yeah, it's, uh, and I think that's probably one thing that the CDH community excels at, um, is collaboration. And I, th- I think it largely has to do with, because our format is socially like social inherently, um, that we're and very community driven that we're just more inclined to want to like, you know, talk and with other people and, work on something and you know you'll see deck lists on the database or on moxfield with like a bunch of different names stapled to them at, at the top and authors and lots of uh from all the filthy clout farmers yeah <laughs> <laughs> i would like say the, uh... that collaborative collaborative deck lists are less clout farmy <laughs> than uh than solo right what no what no, i'd say if you're soloing it it's like man i want all the clout to myself no, no, because no, <laughs> because like if you solo brew a deck, then you're putting in all the work to brew it. Whereas yeah. if you you could just you know, hop, you can recommend a singleton card, like I recommended Proteus Machine for Magda, and then I just have infinite, just infinite like credit rights and all primers in perpetuity for recommending one card. That's yeah, I think I think there's yeah, there's certainly degrees of it. <laughs> um, For the record, not a joke. Check the Magda list that have primers. <laughs> wow, nice. Um, hey man, if people can't be bothered, I okay. The only reason I did that was because uh, the Magda community apparently didn't find Proteus Machine after like a month of having the list together, and I was just like, you're you're already playing like three mana artifact dwarves. Just put this yeah, one. Yeah, Proteus Machine is one that just doesn't come up in searches. That's why. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, you have to it's morph a weird it. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not a changeling or anything like that. So yeah. Nope. How, how did you How did you come across it? By the way, just out of curiosity. Uh, I just, I I do very deep and like regexy <laughs> scrap all searches <laughs> for things. So. <laughs> Nice. Okay, I have way too much time to burn sometimes, and I just I'll literally sift through like I don't know, like twenty twenty five pages of Scryfall search. Dude, like the real the real Scryfall term. searches are the ones where you don't even type in text. It's just yeah, like, exactly. This is these like, are artifacts. <laughs> Let's look at all the art, artifacts. artifacts and this color identity between these CMCs yeah. that like have Let's the go. word X in them, and I'm just gonna search. <laughs> they no, they no, have no. damage you, in the uh, phrase. You know, you've hit rock bottom when you don't even have. When you don't have like an oracle restriction, when it's just oh, yeah, it's just no, it's just I want this class of card, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Uh, next kind of approach to brewing is creativity or or novelty uh, centric brewing, which is you're trying to be a bit of a hipster and unique and try something that no one else has tried maybe maybe the motivation isn't just to be unique i mean it is with me i mean it it definitely definitely, (laughs) it it definitely is well yeah i mean linden's just a dirty cloud whore he'll never but uh for everybody else like this is a very reasonable way to go around in the same way that like net decking is not derogatory like brewing for the novelty or like trying to explore unexplored space and be the first person to do that isn't like (laughs) there's nothing inherently bad about that there's like nothing even bad about that most of the time anyway um 
it's just that like you know you just you want to be you want to be on the like the leading edge of stuff and you want to like make sure that um like every square inch of the format is fully lit up and explored yeah yeah i i i tend to feel most comfortable in this space because i just like i find the the new kind of gameplay patterns or new cards and new commanders exciting um and challenging and that's i i actually personally you know going back up to that kind of top meta level thing my my the majority of my enjoyment um in cdh actually comes from brewing um i'd say second to that would be you know community social and then like optimizing as well kind of in there and then like gameplay last my my least favorite thing to do in CDH is actually play CDH. You know, <laughs> um, not to yeah, say that I don't know. enjoy it at all. We but... know. <laughs> um, it's, and you know what? It's it's honestly a bit of your own fault because I feel like you almost exclusively build decks with just dog shit play patterns, and like you don't realize until you actually play it again. No, I I realize the play patterns. Like Thrashy of Togo, I real like that's a, I I love that deck because it's a very unique play pattern. You know, there's no not many other yeah, decks. Yeah, but it's that it's not fun like to that. actually like play that deck like in the like it's fun conceptually to be like oh this the, these play patterns are like super interesting. Oh no no, like, I love it. I do whatever. love playing that deck. You're no 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 no. You're you're mistaken. I just I, I rank that lower. I, but in terms of decks I, I love think, playing, that's up there. That's up there. I think I think you have this like you have this like conscious enjoyment of the games that you play with that deck, but like it's it's just eating at you subconsciously. You're just like somewhere deep down, you know that it's not satisfying gameplay. And you're just like you're, you're just it's just waiting to break loose. And be well, the like, thing is, this, the can, satisfying aspect of it decks. is is how salty and and how just absolutely dreamed. Like it just having a single rock equipped like just, just absolutely dumpsters like 80 percent of decks you know no no, no. It, <laughs> it dumpsters no no it dumpsters like 30 percent of decks which is the worst no no surprisingly it's way more it, than that it, it like, impacts, like the top end of the format like 80 percent of the decks but like it dumpsters 30 percent of the decks and those 30 percent of the decks aren't like the best decks in the format it's like decks in the format that have like x2 commanders that like they require in play to actually play the game <laughs> it's pretty nasty against Najee uh pretty nasty against sure Timna, but like at, at least like like timna like timna and the gila can at least like you can you still play the game without those in play like yes a yeah four or five color deck i'm saying like it what it truly dumpsters is like the two color x2 decks which is just like well no, it just dumpsters the so x2 bad. decks where you're completely commander centric like something like an emery or, or whatever right where it's like i need my commander in play and it's you're just it's never gonna stay yeah, or um, Kinnon, or Cole, or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, those decks are just unplayable into rocks. Which is, Basically, that, that's Linden, what I love. That's what I love. <laughs> Linden just takes uh, takes the the customer service motto, right? He's not happy till you're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the way I enjoy gameplay in CDH is actually just completely sick and perverse. <laughs> you know, yes, I had so much fun resolving <laughs> that Magus of the Moon and DBF and From the Ashes against Morgan. It was actually, I was just grinning ear to ear. It's not, it's not right. <laughs> um, I, I feel yeah. the need to stress again. It was literally my birthday, and this fucker's just <laughs> sitting over there like he's having the worst time, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Just you know, what a, what a great friend. Uh, um, yeah. So I, you know, back to the the creativity and, and novelty thing. I think there's you know, and the, the follow up point we also have is is optimizing and refining. I think you need 
you need a, the, the way that decks become, you know, the polished things they I mean and and not to say that every deck on the database is completely polished and optimized or whatever because I mean everyone's going to look at a list and be like, well, I, I disagree with that. I, I disagree with this. I, I think it should be built differently and I think that's really good and healthy. But generally, I think you need people who are driving the you know, giving giving out all these new new ideas um and just being kind of like very generative and um you know maybe like you'd say more artistic or something like that um and then you need the people who are the you know optimizing refining to be like no that's a bad idea bad idea bad idea and then eventually you know someone's like hey this is my you know creative idea i think this would be good and it's like you know what actually that is a good idea and then that's what kind of pushes things forward in, in CDH, at least it, according to my perception of things. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I'm it's kind of hard to, 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 to be both. Like, I mean, you can, you can have aspects of both, right? But it's definitely, you need to be in different mental spaces, I think. I think you can, like, integrate. You can integrate both. Like, I don't think you, it's, always either one or another but it's just like it's easier to exist in one space versus the other at the same time i think also some people are just more naturally like gifted or adept at you know usually one or the other right it's hard yeah, to I mean, say I, that I you're you're true. amazing at both right yeah um unless and, and you know like, it's not, it might just like be like being adept <laughs> being being adept at optimizing refining doesn't necessarily mean like you know someone who's maybe more adept at, at creativity or novelty might um, be able to achieve the same kind of end state as someone who's adept at optimizing or refining, but it might just take them a lot longer, right? Um, the the person who's good at optimizing or refining is going to play these games, they're going to take in all of this data and um, you know, maybe have a good understanding of the metagame and decks and play patterns and kind of just incorporate all of that data and be like, mm, I don't think I don't think this is this is right. I don't this doesn't quite fit the play pattern or doesn't fit this deck or whatever and they can just do it in a more efficient manner um i think so yeah i think those are like the biggest kind of categories and approaches to brewing and then we've got uh one one more um that we couldn't we were having we were having some discussion about this pre-show it yeah, didn't I, quite fit with anything else but so so this one's a bit messy uh, i still i still agree that there's something here but i'm not sure that i agree with like any of the actual terminology that we've come up to represent it um, yeah or maybe even the fact that like these are act even like two separate categories that you can even cleanly define but anyway i'll let you uh morgan do you want to get this one sure. this is your yeah yeah so uh the, the term we came up with was uh intention versus result and that's not necessarily uh the like we're not necessarily thrilled with those exact words but essentially um we're talking about uh starting from a goal of like i want to play this commander or this card or this combo or something like that where um you know you have an idea that you're then looking to build around um being intentional brewing and then sort of a results oriented uh a results oriented approach would be more like you have uh certain characteristics that you want the final result to have so maybe it's like i want a deck that uh can play really well through artifact hate um and a deck that uh you know has 
a good grind game or you know or maybe it's i want a deck that can be really fast or has a combo that's really hard to interact with um and you start with sort of uh a descriptor that you want the end product to have or a set of descriptors and work towards that to uh you know as as uh as your approach okay cool so now that we've covered you know the different approaches um I kind of want to touch on this one tweet that was kind of sort of the inspiration for this uh, episode topic. Um, and so this tweet uh, comes from Kai Fervent Alchemist. Um, and it says, Things you need to know me about me as a CDH brewer. One, I won't argue with you over card slots. Two, I won't try to convince you to play any deck. Three, most of my arguments are weak because I'm not arguing with you. Four, it's a game and I treat it as such. And five, I try things. Every slot is a flex slot. Um, so this had quite a few uh, retweets, quotes, comments, and there was some, I don't know, it, it seemed like there was a bit of tension in the in the replies to this tweet. And I think this is sort of kind of a, a, a breakdown of communication and, you know, kind of what we were touching on earlier of the, oh, you're having fun wrong in CDH. But if you don't view this as like Kai, you know, judging people who don't have this particular style um, and just, you know, explaining his style, you can, we can apply the, we can look through the lenses of what we just discussed. So, you know, he's Which not going to argue. Clear, yeah. I don't think, I don't think he was, I think there was some discussion sort of around it that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Involved sort of a little bit, uh, being a little bit more prescriptive. Uh, but I, I think actually he was, uh, he was just sort of talking about himself. Descriptive Other people of his were sort own. of saying, yeah, yeah. yes, this is the right way to do it. And then people. I saw stuff like, this is the healthiest way I've seen to brew and see, which I think is just, I, I think that's hogwash. I, I don't think it makes any sense to be like, one way of enjoying brewing or something is more healthy than another. It just boils down to what you like. But uh, let, let's kind of apply these um, approaches and, and lenses to Kai's tweet. So, I mean. He's talking about being a CDH brewer, so it's not like he's he's net decking. He's not that um, solo versus collaborative. Well, if he's not going to argue with you over card slots, he's not trying to convince you to play any deck. Is more of a focus on solo brewing. Um, he's well, talking I about. I don't necessarily know that that's that that's true. Or I uh, guess I could see. Yeah, true. It's not <sighs> like I I think I think what that was about was sort of. Um... I guess that's not, it's not it, collaborative it, optimizing take, or something like that. I mean, I, I do think that there's, uh, there, there's a way that a lot of people do collaborative things, which is adversarial, which like sounds harsh, but it's not, it's, it's adversarial in the same way that like a debate is adversarial where like you adopt opposite positions, but you do it to try and like synthesize or come to a better conclusion. Um, and yeah, my my brewing style. If I'm doing collaborative, I need to like I'll I'll say something and I want someone to be as harsh as they can on like tell me exactly why this is wrong. And sometimes I'll say things just and and you know I won't give the arguments against it, but I'll have in my head I'm like I think this I don't think this will make the deck, but I want to hear someone else say it in their words. And if they say the same thing, you know that's pretty you know it's reinforcing sort of what I was already thinking. Or then you can go back and forth, be like actually I think this point is not great. You know like I I I very much like that style, but that's definitely not for everyone, right? 
Um, so true. Yeah, it might not be that it's he's purely solo or, or collaborative, but you know, I guess we can be a bit ambiguous there. Uh, definitely a focus on creativity and novelty, right? He's talking about I try things. Every flex, every slot is a flex slot. Um, you know, uh, and then we've also got um, intention versus result. Um, it's well, I I don't know that necessarily that. Uh, that tweet like commits one way or the other on that on that part of yeah. it. I mean, I, w- I would say people who are, I guess it's not committal necessarily, but I think people who are, have a results oriented kind of mindset are generally open to um, a more adversarial style because I think that's generally the discourse like that you see in 60 card and even in CDH when you're, you know, someone's trying to work on a, a list for uh, Blue Farm or Delver or whatever, you know, you kind of get into the mud arguing slots to try and convince someone that this something is right because you are trying to a- a- arrive at something objective and outside of yourself as something that's like, you know, right or the best for this meta to try and win or something like that, win an event or whatever. So I, I would assume it's less results oriented and more like intention based, but I guess it is. Yeah, I am, I am assuming there. I mean, I'm also, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kai ever hears this, which probably won't, but, you know, never know. <laughs> Kai ever hears this, like, wouldn't be surprised if Kai describes himself as, like, not aligning to either of those poles and just being like, yeah, you just sort of, like, brew in a way that flows rather than, like, looking at the actual, even the, the final result or the initial intention could very much also be, like, a journey brewer, you know, that... The but I mean, isn't brewing isn't is brewing? brewing it wouldn't that kind of be just intention and like you're brewing no, for the brew itself almost? Uh, I'm not necessarily sure. I like think, maybe uh, it's not a strict intention. No, no. strict intention. So. No, I don't think so. I, I think brewing for the sake of brewing sort of sits between those two poles, um, and sort of off that axis entirely, right? You're, you're I don't know if I necessarily agree doing with that, it for the joy. I mean, we don't have to. It. We don't have to get into. Yeah, that. I mean, we don't have to get into it. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And also, like, if if any of these don't describe people, I wouldn't be surprised if people would describe themselves as like a third option that doesn't align on that scale perfectly. Yeah. Um. Just in general. Um. And and but I do want to also touch on number four. So this doesn't go into the different approaches to brewing, but he says it's a game, and I treat it as such. Um, and that kind of falls into the way that people enjoyed the format. Um, and that, you know, is going to be the community social aspect. Um, so yeah, you know, this is at the end of the day, a game, you don't need to be, people will treat it with different levels of seriousness, but you know, there shouldn't be any hurt feelings or, you know, anything like that, right? Like you have to remember that there's nothing, you know, it is, it isn't that serious. Um, and it is a game, but also, you know, you don't need to be, don't, you don't need to, if someone is, wants to treat it seriously for like, you know, oh, I want to devote a lot of time and energy and, and effort into brewing something, not, or optimizing or, or whatever, you know, no need to deride them for um, doing that. Everyone gets to enjoy the game in their own particular way, but yeah, I, I do think I, I resonate with the, treat it, remember that it's a game, there shouldn't be any, like, tempers or, or anything like that hurt feelings yeah um kind of just in general as well <laughs> not even brewing <laughs> yeah yeah no. <laughs> um absolutely okay yeah so i just wanted to go through that and, and kind of apply the lenses so that you know people could kind of our listeners could follow along and maybe 
do that in the future with uh they see cdh discourse on twitter or reddit and maybe uh help clarify and give some perspective to, to people who are in the trenches and arguing when tempers are flaring <laughs> But yeah, I mean, realistically, that's just not going to do anything. Well, yeah. and it's also, I mean, <laughs> it's online debate, well, it's, online CH discourse. People are going to... Yeah. Well, it's not even necessarily just about like when you enter and see other people doing this. It's also like just reasonable to you know just think about this stuff when you're conversing with other people or like you're brewing with somebody else or having discussion about maybe a collective brew or a brew that either you or somebody else has made and you're just like talking about it or, you know... Um, shitposting or just like trying to help back and forth of like yeah i mean sometimes there's friction and that is probably just because you're you're probably not like internally aligned on some of these things which is totally okay i'm not saying that you need to be aligned on those things that's that you have to be aware of that non-alignment sometimes and be like oh okay like we're not well you're coming at this from the perspective of uh optimizing and wanting to make stuff good and arguing over slots and i'm not really interested in arguing over slots i'm interested in making the deck more interesting while still being at a higher power level and like still playing a bunch of these cards that I want to play. Yeah. Um, and, and actually the, the one thing you talked about, about, you know, flex slots and, and test slots, I think we're going to get into as we move into our next category mm-hmm. uh, or in this topic, which is our processes for brewing. Um, so I mean, we can, we can break it down kind of step by step, but one, one thing I think I want to just stress is that, in brewing, I, I think it's, or at least not maybe not brewing, I think when I brew a deck, I account for, to have a certain amount of test slots, because I think that's necessary to properly optimize and refine a list. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, kind of incorporate some of that creativity and novelty of just, like, testing some wacky stuff where that's hard to evaluate based off of your current, like, knowledge and experience and you're like this could be good this could be bad it's just a question mark so i like to leave some slots in there for um, those purposes and different people have different um takes on how many of those slots should be if there should be any of those slots at all um so yeah i I just wanted to uh, to touch on that while we were still talking about kai's tweet a bit sort of interesting because i wouldn't say like when i brew i wouldn't say that i leave like a specific range or like a number or a specific range of numbers of flex slots like i, I would never i don't think i'd ever say like yeah like 10 percent ish or like 15 percentage of this deck is like is going to be flex slots when i'm building it i just like sort of yeah it's that's sort of interesting because like i when i brew a deck initially i'll just like put together a bunch of cards that i think are good and like sort of are interesting together and then just like either goldfish it a bunch maybe play some games or whatever and just be like, oh, okay, I, I know immediately, like, what cards are not good or what cards I want to, like, t- test and, like, swap out. Like, I don't I don't even necessarily, when I finish a brew, I don't necessarily know what the flex slots are. I might have an indication when I see it, like, finally and be like, oh, like, these five cards are probably pretty bad, but I want to test with them. But I'm not, like, thinking about, like, flex slots. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, like, going to put this deck together, do some gold fishing, see what stuff looks like in gold fishing or in games, and then, like, come back to it later and make swaps then. I also want to differentiate between uh, we're we're using test and flex a bit, um, like basically interchange interchangeably. Uh, but I want to differentiate between them for a second. I think a flex slot is generally something, or people use the term to mean something that's like a meta dependent thing. So like um, graph cage, right? You know that might be a, a flex slot where that comes in and out, or you know a particular type of removal, or something like that, right? Stacks, whatever, like just things you 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 swap in and out of your deck depending on the meta composition you're expecting or what uh, matchups you're trying to cover i I generally view those as like so, f- 
flex slots, whereas test slots are cards where you're like, that's... I don't have a particular, like, I'm just trying to see how this plays. That's really interesting then, because I would say then that I never brew with flex slots. Yeah, I don't brew um, with flex. I brew, because... with, I brew with test slots. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I don't consciously brew with test slots either, right? Interesting. Like, I, I just... It, it sort of aligns with... I, I'm not sure that I've ever, like, fully walked through, like, how I actually... Like, the step-by-step -step of how I actually, like, usually end up building decks. But it's sort of... I, I I could do it afterward if we want to have a larger discussion or just, like, cop through it now. But, um... Yeah, I mean... I think, sure. I think it makes more sense if you have the context of, like... When I brew decks, typically... um, For me to brew a deck... uh, And, like, actually have a brew come out the other end... uh, Typically, it has to happen all at once for me. Um, I have to go from zero to a hundred cards, uh, in like one session. Interesting. Um, for like a deck to actually come together to a point where I'll consider like, consider like building it into a full deck or like, like then starting to like shape slots and like optimize a bit and like do some testing and some gold fishing and stuff. I've like a lot of times I've gotten up to like 50 cards and then just completely dropped the thing. And if I ever come back to build that deck, I'll build it from the ground up again. Like, I, I won't even look at my previous version. I'll just have, like, a general idea of what I was doing and then go, like, okay, I'm just going to, like, try to get this back to 100 cards from, like, basically Zilch. And then I'll, like, cross-compare afterward and see, like, compared notes with, like, the older one after I'm basically so finished. I, or, like, I, looking I was, for I the final, like, 10 slots. I was nodding along when you were talking about, like, your approach to slots, but that's that's unhinged oh it is so i i'm just saying like i i'm not like i'm not saying this is how people should brew decks i'm just like this that's how i build decks and i think that like that gives a lot of context to why i don't brew with flex slots or like brew with yeah, like, yeah, test yeah. slots because like i'm not i'm not like coming back i'm not like okay like i got this up to like 70 cards i'll like think about it for a bit come back later i'm just like oh i have this like almost half-baked idea in my mind and my process of brewing is the process of figuring out that brew as I'm, like, adding cards and doing scryfall searches and adding stuff in. So, and I mean, then, that like, I find by the relatable. Time I'm, by the time I'm done, the, the, the finished the finished hundred cards, and, and not, like, sorry, not, like, I've finished brew as in, like, I've now done the think-through of, like, I've, I've made it to hundred cards, I've done the thinking-through of what I need to swap in, swap out, done, like, all that kind of stuff. It's, once I get up to, like, a hundred, hundred-ish cards, sometimes I'll get stuck at, like, 95 or whatever and, like, have to drop it for a bit. But, you know, like, around there. Um, How systematic act, is your process? The act, very not. It's very intuitive, which is what I'm getting at. Um, okay. Once I get up to like a 95, that doesn't just represent a uh, a quote unquote like finished brew. It represents a finishing of my conceptualization of what the deck should be. Like I, I don't, I almost never do a full conceptualization, a conceptualization of what a deck should be um, before building the deck. The act of brewing and putting the deck into a set of 100 cards is the act of me figuring out what the deck is. Reed is just, like, wandering around in a parking lot, like, just picking up cards off the ground. Like, he's just shuffling. It's like 52 pickup, but he's yeah, just except, picking up except, individual 100 cards, putting them, and then he's, like, done. Except I've spent, like, 15 years honing the skills of, uh, like, Walmart drive, like, Walmart <laughs> parking lot scavengers to yeah, make, yeah. like, a, a really cool ring or whatever, right? Uh, so, yeah, like, it's, it's it's fascinating just how different... So, I view... My approach yeah, to brewing... You're, you're very analytical. You're very theory-based. Okay, so, yeah, it's very theory... But it's... it's So, I view it as, like, a... Um, like, every deck is just a slab of marble... And you car and and the slab of marble is representative of like every legal card in your deck or whatever, right? And you are the process that you go through is just 
chipping away pieces of marble to reveal the final sculpture within right so that means like sometimes you'll take off like a big chunk you're like i don't need any of this crap right and that's that's usually a lot of the early stuff um and then you get to kind of a rough form of you're like yeah i know these these things are there and then you know this, this is kind of the rough sketch and then i kind of view it as like i can just throw in a bunch of stuff that i know are like this is a, i'm a hundred percent confident this is going to make it into the final brew or the final list so you know it could be some aspects of your mana base, you know, but it might only be 28 lands of the mana base or, you know, a certain percentage of the creatures and rampant interaction, all of these things. Um, I will go through each category um, and pick the cards. And there's I'll also go in a very particular sequence um, when I'm constructing a deck. Like I'll start with and it, it can change de depending on the on the commander or the brewer or whatever. Like I'll, it might start with a win con. Um, I might be like, this is the wincon package that I know has to be in this deck. Um, this, I'm hundred percent confident on this. So I'll start there and then I'll go into value engines and then I'll go into interaction and removal and blah, blah, blah. And then, then once I get out of my range where I'm, I've got cards that I'm hundred percent confident are, you know, I'll move into like 90% confidence, 80% and whatever. And that's where the flex slots or the test slots come in where it's like, I've, I've got, I've got the deck to like. 90 90 all, all the cards and the, there's like 90 cards all of them are like 100 confident or you know most of them are like 90 confident um and then the last the last couple slots are like huh the possibilities here i've got 15 cards 10 slots and these all have the same level of confidence so the only way i'm going to arrive and kind of refine that level of confidence in the card is by testing them um yeah that's my process Morgan, what about you? I just sit in a lotus position in the energies <laughs> of the universe. Um, I think I I have like I have sort of something in the middle, I think, uh, where I like I start, you know, with however I'm starting because like a bunch of my brews are sort of more uh result oriented and some of them are uh intention oriented uh where i feel like i feel like uh linden you tend to you like focus on like intention yes and, 100%, like, read focus yeah. on results so like i have like a, a weird mix there um and so it kind of depends on what type of deck i'm brewing um but often i'll start with like uh the sorts of cards like either I pick my sort of intention or my desired result and then I'll start with uh sort of a core of cards that uh I think will like enable that well and then sort of build out around them uh yeah yeah but I, I don't I'm sort of similar with that but I don't lock in like for example when I was brewing uh stacks cats mm -hmm. like I started with a bunch of stacksy creatures uh, like, I started with, like, sort of a core of, I think it was around 10, and then went, like, okay, what do I want to put around these to make this deck work? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I've now dropped at least two of those 10 I was starting with. I think one I swapped for a different one I just, like, like, one I swapped for a different hate piece. One I just is no longer a hate piece at all. Interesting. Um, so I, I don't, like, lock in. I try to never to lock things in, really. Um, yeah look I, I just don't think of it that way and it was interesting because i've had a couple people ask me about my list they're like oh what would you swap for 
you know, I want to play. <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, your I next best in, card. <laughs> so it was like, I want to put in like Lavinia and Nelrod. And I was like, okay, like, what would you put in? And I was like, I could give you a list of 15 cards that you shouldn't cut. And then like the other 85 go for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like whatever's, you know, whatever's working for you or not working for you. Um, it's not like, you know, I view some of these hate pieces as core and some of them as flex or something like that. They're all just sort of on a continuum of, like, these are good enough, you know. I mean, obviously, like, some cards are just better than other cards. Like, in terms of the creature rule of laws, Archon of Emeria is just, like, better than Phyrexian Sensor and it's better than Eidolon of Rhetoric. Um, just sort of cleanly. So, obviously, those get cut first. But, uh, like, cutting... I, you know, I don't look at, like, the, the rule of law effects and go, like, these are uncuttable. And in fact, you know, if you were, like, even though I did sort of design the deck with the idea to support them in mind, I still think they could be cut, um, you know, and maybe that would enable a few sort of cascading changes. Um, but it's not, uh, in my mind, though, even those aren't, like, locked into the list. Obviously, like, Razaketh is kind of locked into the list, just by pure, like, naming convention. Yeah, it would be yeah, Stax yeah. Cats <laughs> if just, there wasn't... Just required to be in there, yeah. <laughs> like, if there wasn't a Razaketh in it. But, um... But, like, apart from that, yeah. Uh, I... I Nothing's ever really locked. So, I'll say, I don't... When I, when I say things are, like, locked in, like, 100% confidence, that will be for, like, the initial kind of thing. But, like, there are cards... Like, I'll, I'll swap things that I have one point 100% confident if I want to, like, bring in a package or change a direction of the deck or something later on. But uh, that, I definitely, like, have things more locked in in the initial brew and then, like, just add in things. And it's funny when you were talking about um, I want to put in these cards or I'll take out these. For me, it's like um, I, I hate the idea of one-for-one -one swaps. Like, unless the, yeah, the ratios just, are, like, very tuned and specific. It's just, like, so much more fluid than that. Yeah, to me, it's like, um, oh, what do I what do I put in? I was like, just cut the two worst cards and put in the two next best. Like, it's that's that's what the level of it is for me. But but it it goes, it's like, there's a lot of implied knowledge there, though, right? It's yeah, like, no, it's, well, because it is a mix the, of a science and an worst art, cards. for sure. Well, yeah. it's, it's cut the two worst cards, but the the two worst cards and the reason they're the worst are a hybrid between a lot of factors between oh, like absolutely. the objective yeah. power level of the cards in the format, the like relative power level of the cards to the rest of the deck, the amount of redundancy that those cards represent and how much you need that redundancy and then how good they're actually, they are in like specific situations, specific metas, et cetera. And like yeah, a bunch so of other factors. So. In, in theory, like in theory, when I'm talking about the comp, like my confidence level in a card, like, you know, a card that's 90% con it's like, that that number that I'm arriving at is a confluence of all of those factors, and it, it's just going through the black box in my head or whatever. And and that's that's the thing yeah. is it's you have there's no formula, right? Um, the formula is is whatever crazy connections your neurons are making through all of your experience and theories and blah blah blah. And everyone has different black boxes, and <laughs> yeah. someone have what some did, people have very similar have black boxes. Um, but so I I kind of want to. Um, I'm very fascinated in, in, in learning more about your guys' style. So sorry if this is like hijacking the topic a bit, but I kind of want to just ask you guys some yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. Um, Cause this is one, it's very fascinating. The listeners might not know. Um, we don't like, 
we got we don't really brew together all that the, often. The only the only times we brew together is when we're specifically building decks to attack a certain thing in a given meta that we actually care about. <laughs> like yeah, when yeah. when we're trying to like brew a deck to like win a tournament or like win a specific set of games. In, yeah, like, Cody, Cody, like we that. there was yeah. there was a lot of like sharing of like because like, like, I was doing uh, a, a weird like, approach. Reed was doing what a different is this approach. Revisionism. Also, that fucking this, Linden this, wouldn't yeah, share his untappers Linden list. Doesn't for, like, share untappers list. Like, okay, ever, no, I didn't want to share it because I wanted I wanted to take two <laughs> uh -huh. completely independent approaches and uh -huh. then combine our information and then After see seeing our list. <laughs> so it was no, yeah, obviously I, I saw your list first, but I was so like, I want to try and do my own thing so that it's not trying to be influenced, and that way when we share, it's like we can kind of compare and see see what's but actually I good. I feel like then you shouldn't have looked at our list. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, okay, anyway. when I say looked at your list, anyway. I mean, I didn't have the idea of Cody Nas we, uh, until I saw what you guys were so doing. We, we I couldn't have come no, up with untappers like until I saw your list together. in the first but, place. But, like, you ask people to share lists, and then you don't share lists when people ask you. No, that's very uh, true. I am, and I then am like that. We we did, like, the Thras Vile, um, what's it called? Um, Canadian Cheese Rush build. Um, as like well, Linda was early. I, I didn't yeah, do cheese me, rush. No. Me, me, Morgan, and Matt, though, yeah. like same sort yeah. of thing. Like just like we'll do stuff as a group for like when we care about results and such, but we very rarely do like uh, collaborative, like fun brews or like collaborative like brews for. So stuff. We'll, we'll share. We'll share like uh, like early tech and stuff. So like Rafine, I know Morgan and I went well, back yeah. a bit on back and forth with Rafine ideas and stuff. Um, but like the decks tend to be like mostly fully formed by the time that we get in yes, from each other. Yes, yeah. Um, or like feel... the only time you there's really like a lot of back and forth information is when it's like so with Rafine a good example was because it wasn't like it was very new, and Morgan was like Morgan identified like I I remember thinking of seeing Rafine and being like oh, this this isn't good and then Morgan threw together a list and I played we played a game I was like oh my god oh, I see mind. like incredible so potential good. which is often yeah how it goes is like someone someone has an idea or something I was like oh my god I see like just insane potential for what I like and then there's like you know back and forth sharing like dude morgan you did you find uh the one with provoke def is it deathblade elite yeah deathblade elite i think that someone you? suggested it to me. oh dude what an insane find but then Great yeah there's there was some uh there's some fun stuff there um but yeah okay so, so we're getting getting a bit sidetracked so do you guys collaboratively brew um with other people uh, no, as a function of like what I said earlier about my brewing process, it's like a yeah. Very, I was gonna say you're just I, I mean I, I, is I I have done like collaborative brews with people and stuff, but it's very much like it's it's not, and and I'm not saying like sorry, I'm using the word collaborative because that's what we were using before. It's very much not collaborative in probably the way that a lot of people think about it in terms of like when I've done brewing with other people, what I've done before is like I'll hop into a like. A text or voice channel on like the r slash cdh server I, I don't do this much anymore but i have for a bit where it's like i'll hop in and i'll be like i'm building this deck you can hop in and give me suggestions as i build it so i'm like i'm still mm. like maintaining my autonomy thing as yes, being like yes. autonomy and being a driving force i'm just like allowing input from the outside as part of the process rather than like completely sessioning myself off and like getting to a full deck before Oh, dude, I'm very much like I'm a very I can be very much a control freak with certain brews. Like I'm like I well, want to do this I my just, way. I just like but I, I want I want input on my things. on my brews before they're like again like it, it. I sort of need to have a through line from beginning to end of a brew. So like mm. I just sort of by by nature need to sort of be able to have like mostly control over those decks when I'm building them. So read your with your uh process how 
fully formed is your idea my, my understanding is that you don't really your, your idea isn't like completely I, fully formed it's kind of hazy and it becomes into focus as you're brewing it right yeah my like oh, that's so, so weird what can i like for like the polymorph decks when they were like still um like for uh what can i do for like a recent one because like they're they're i it, it's sort of different the way that like i brew new commanders because new commanders i'll see them and then I'll just like immediately snap off a brew and just like I'll, I'll just like build the deck as i'm doing the scryfall searches for it um which is like the same thing for ob right where like i saw we saw the ob spoiler and then like as soon as i had a computer in front of me and was actually like able to do the scryfall searches i was building the deck then um try to think of like some that i've had like sitting around in my brain that i need to get out oh like um like thrust file reanimator uh, that I had kicking around in my head for a bit, where, like, I, I had this idea of, like, oh, like, the packages that intersect with, like, reanimating Tidespout Tyrant and World Gorger Dragon sort of intersect pretty nicely, like, your sort of, like, stormy, rocky things in both brews, like, in, in both uh, things, and I always had it in my head, it was, like, the the idea was, like, oh, yeah, it's, like, some, like, stormy deck with a reanimation package with, like, those two cards, and then, like, presumably one or two other targets or something like that, and then, like, uh, just, like, the normal storm shell around there, like, maybe Sans Adnaz, was, like, the idea that I had in my head until I actually got down into a deck list, right? And in the process of building out the deck list, it was like, oh, okay, like, Ice Grounds after Dramatic Reversal fits in nicely with this. Like, I guess you probably want to do, like, like, in order to be fast enough to actually make this work with a storm shell and not be hyper inconsistent because you're fitting like three packages together you sort of want to be able to like manually like loot through a bunch of these reanimation targets so i threw like uh whatever i, I threw like i think like a razaketh and a tidespout tyrant in there with the hullbreaker horror uh and the world gorger and i was just like I, I i figured it out as part of brewing the deck hmm. that's um, so weird yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it's strange. Like, usually, like, if you ask me about a theoretical deck, I won't be able to give you a straight answer, because by the time that I have an answer for you, it's not a theoretical deck anymore. I put it on paper somewhere. Dude, my, my brews will, like, I will shelf a brew for years. Like, I'll, I'll oh, get to, to 70 so cards, 75 cards, and a bunch of cards on the sideboard, and I'm like, or like, and I'm like, I, I don't like it, for me it, a lot of it it takes a clear vision before i can finish a deck like I, ne I need to have an exact idea of what i want the deck to be to either play or look like and then i i the cards kind of form around that and then if i can't if the vision as i get close to the end of the brew if it's not like a hundred percent or things are kind of like maybe one of the packages like the win con isn't quite where i want it to be like i'll be like uh i'm just gonna wait until i actually like i have inspiration again and then it's on the shelf in the meantime. So, like, sometimes I'll just come back with it with a fresh set of eyes and try and finish it. But, yeah, like, wow. To just sit down and, like, <laughs> I, like I could put together 100 cards, but it would bother me because I'm not, like, I know that it's not what I, I'm not confident. I haven't justified every card in my own mind. I don't, yeah, I just, like, don't, like, it's a very, like, again natural yeah like, so go with the flow kind of thing. like like intuition based of like i by the time i get to 100 cars those 100 cars don't need to be perfect they just need to represent the idea well enough that i can then like then start chipping away at that and be like mm. okay like here's the swath of like 10 cards that like aren't actually good enough for this deck once i like I'm, i'll get it up to 100 and be like okay these five cards obviously aren't good enough without even gold fishing i'm gonna replace them with like some other good stuff after i look around at like other lists and then like i'll do a bunch of gold fishing and be like okay these cards are like like obviously very awkward and 
goldfishing, so we're gonna, like, get rid of those quickly, and then, like, after that point, do, like, you know, a bit of, like, playtesting and stuff, and be like, okay, these these things don't actually work out that well in actual games, let me go, like, like find alternates for this, or, like, alternate packages or whatever. Um, Morgan, how much collaboration do you do? Um, not, not a ton. I gen- and what I do, it's generally, like, later. Uh, it's either, like, very early or very late, where, like, I'll sort of bounce, like, broad ideas off of people, um, and then, like, I'll go and tinker with them, and then I'll come back, and then, you know, it's like, I'll have questions about, like, what do you think about, you know, this handful of cards? Um, but sort of the the main body of the brewing is something I generally do on my own. Honestly, I... <laughs> It's not because I, like, it's not because I want to brew alone, necessarily. It's just because Because you have no friends? No, <laughs> no it's, more, it's more about, like, uh, like, a flow state thing for me. Okay, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, just the concept of, like, okay, I'm, like, in my groove, I'm, you know, putting cards in, I, you know, have an idea of where I'm going, and, like, stopping to... Like, generally, I guess, uh, I often, I do, like, sculpture a little bit more than, like, or, or like, you know, my, my process involves getting the rough outline of what I want, and then, like, additions and cuts, rather than, like, not putting things I'm not sure about in, in the first place, sometimes I'll just put them in, and then I'll, like, sort of take them out later. So um, when you say sculpture, do you do you do you view it a more like a like I was using the metaphor earlier with like carving a slab of marble, or do you view it as like a you know you're forming something out of clay sort of thing? Well, so like what I'm saying is that I I guess like I'm kind of in the middle. I I do both. Mm. Uh, oh sure, okay, yeah. But like I find I I find that collaboration's really good for uh the the marble style like hey you know look at this list like tell me which cards you don't like and like i've certainly i've done this with reed a few times where i'll like i'll pull out like four cards from the list and two cards that aren't in the list and be like which four of these six cards do you think this list should play sort of uh yeah yeah, yeah. idea um but yeah generally sort of in the middle uh, going from like a vague idea to uh, at least roughly formed deck list to something I, I do alone just because having to like spend focus on interacting with people while doing that is is something that I find difficult but like it's also a, it's also a pretty quick process for me like sim- similar to read not to the same degree where like I have to go from zero to a hundred um, but like but generally going from go from 0 to 100 or generally what, going from like 10 to 90 takes like you know 20 30 minutes yeah 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 okay and then like and then at that point i'm ready to like talk with people again so this is this is yeah i find this very fascinating because i because we don't collaboratively brew or and because for you guys brewing is so much more of a solo experience um I don't really have insight into how you guys do this. So this is very, you know, illuminating for me. Whereas I think you guys have seen me do like more collaborative brewing and stuff on the frog server, right? 
because that's generally how I brew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you just like have have input from a bunch of different people and like take a well stuff from a like, different sources. It's, where you, it's like, not even like that. You, it's you, like well, I some someone might have an idea or like I might just have an idea and I'll just start working on it in a um voice chat. But it's very much right. like uh like you were saying, like I. I need to do it my particular way, follow my process. So like if someone's like trying to skip steps in my process, I'll be like, no, 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 we're not doing that yet. Right. Yep. Don't, don't even talk about that yet. And then it's like, okay, now we're moving on to this. We're, we're going to lands. And so we're going to, I'm just going to, you know, auto put in all the fetches and all these things. And then, you know, if it's like, Hmm, you know, I'll talk through my thoughts and then people will chime in. And, you know, I think that's, that's very valuable to me. Although I also, uh, find that I, um, very much, work best with people who have the same similar style of brewing and kind of perspectives on brewing as me. So I do yeah. a lot of brews with Kibitzin, um, who has, it was like very similar brewing to me style naturally. And then, um, I've done a lot of brews more with Stell, um, recently. And he, uh, I, cause he, he started with like Orvar and stuff. And then we've, we've kind of started working on stuff over time. And I found more that like, you know, our, our kind of styles are converging and it, it just, to me that I find that very, um, it's like having someone period. else who's, it's like, it's <laughs> like having a, a so you, 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 the process, you're following the same process, but it's someone who's like on the same page that you can bounce ideas off of. So what um, I'm hearing is Linda just loves circle jerky echo chambers. And we'll yes, just yes, absolutely. <laughs> in any way possible. <laughs> this, is, this is news. <laughs> yeah, uh, Honestly, no. Um, I did want to ask though, like it was first of all, like I I think that's like really interesting because my I, I, my deck like my brewing isn't even structured that way necessarily. Like I'll put in like I'll put in like five signatory cards of what I'm trying to work toward, and then just like do everything else haphazardly as it comes to mind. Like I'll just like pull things out of my brain and be like, okay, we'll do like some of the fast meta now, and then I remember that I have to do some of the tutors. So I'll do some of the tutors, and I'm like we'll work on the interaction suite a bit, and then go back and refill in what I missed for the like fast mana and inter and uh tutor suite and stuff like that and then like put some more staples in and some win cons and stuff. Um so I just like probably I I probably could like fit to a thing, but it's like just not as uh intuitive. Yeah. I did wanna Oh good. I did wanna ask, so what uh what deck building websites uh do you guys mostly use slash like any like anything that you use to build decks on and then like What's the, like, what's your actual process of building decks on those websites? Or services, or whatever. Um, um, like, like for example, for, like, Architect, do you, like, do you, do, like, go on Architect and then do, like, a bulk edit or whatever? Or you use, like, Moxfield now, right? Do you yeah, do, like, I used the... to use Architect because I very much liked the, um, the visual stacks because it was very yeah. reminiscent of having cards laid out on a table in front of you. Oh, uh, sure. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and so I was like, it, I'd move stuff so between piles and stuff <laughs> like that. And like, and I could put well, things so, in, there so was the custom no categories too, being yeah. like, cause it's not, not, you don't, it's all instants aren't the same, right? Some of them are removal. Some of them are counter magic. And, and you know, it's important to delineate between, um, those types of like, so you, the categories were nice and whatever. Then, do you architect just was never thing? updated anything i think it's yeah. it might even still be in beta now technically Apparently. moxfield was initially like the best publishing platform um in my opinion so like with, with the primers and stuff yeah. and just the best ui and then they basically just kept adding features and features and features to the point where it's like i don't think there's anything that comes close to moxfield like it's just basically untouchable uh they you can do everything on moxfield it's my favorite way to do it um 
I, I, I do take advantage of like their packages feature. I don't use other people's packages, but I'll like make sure. my own for like fetches and shit. Um, Rainbow lands, utility lands, um, some things like that. I haven't gone too deep into like interaction suites or counter magic or whatever. Most of those are still by memory. Um, and, and in terms of uh, like searching and stuff, um, I'll use... I, I'll use I, I didn't used to use Scryfall. I'd used to use uh, or and I still do use this one thing called Decked Builder. Um, and the reason why is because it was an app that you could have on your phone, and then uh, it also worked without internet. So like you could you could wor- uh, work like on deck brewing and and yeah, it was like basically sure. a mini Scryfall thing on right. your that you could use on the toilet without internet. <laughs> um, you switched but over now though. It, if I'm updating a deck or something, the one thing it, it has terrible Scryfall search, so I'll use Scryfall um, if I lead, if I want to like re- really refine things. Be like, I want to look at all of these sets, no reprints, um, everything right. printed after this date, whatever. Like I think Scryfall is like just untouchable for that. So yeah, at this point it's mostly just Scryfall and Moxfield. What about you guys, Morgan? Uh, I'm mostly yeah, Scryfall and Moxfield. Uh... I'm assuming you just you build on Moxfield though. Yeah, occasionally I've actually like like text or uh, like text or visual stacks. Isn't, oh I'm assuming God. you still use text. visual stacks on Moxfield. I should use text on Moxfield. Now. Wow. Yeah, have you ever considered switching back over to visual stacks? Or? I've messed with it. I I the the initially the visual stacks um, interaction interface was like awkward. I don't think you could drag stuff in the, their first iteration. I think you can now, but I've gotten used to the text based. Um, Wait, so that's that's kind of what I'm just doing now. Also, yeah, uh, custom categories are cringe. I don't even <laughs> oh, use yeah. custom categories too much now. On on sometimes for certain decks, it will make sense to do it. Like for instance, um, Morgan, you 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 played that Joyra deck, and I've been in the background working on like um, my take on it. And Joyra, when it has like 50 artifacts. Right, you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I need to break these down into like some kind of custom category instead of just having nope. a a category of fifty with just sorted by CMC. Like, oh, no nope. name, just name. Oh, you sort by name? Yep. Oh, that's that's awful. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> but like, what what were you saying, Morgan, about the Scryfall? Like, just doing. I mean, like, I just I use it mostly. I use it to like find cards that. Yeah, yeah, I okay. I don't have like, I mean we were talking about this earlier, right? Like just the scryfall search for like super weird it's just, yeah, niche very like yeah yeah. Like I'm pretty sure I, uh, when I was brewing like Rafine, I just searched like every Esper creature that cost three or less that said like power or I think it was like equal to its power or like you know any iteration of that and then like just anything that said counters on it so actually i have i have a um, which was how i missed a card like death play delete initially right because it didn't like i want to put a pin in in the discussion on like scry falling for cards and and finding things for stuff like sure. rafina death play delete um but, but i want to let reed you you cover your deck building and stuff first Sure. So I actually I use Scryfall almost almost exclusively for deck building. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> I I use I use the Scryfall deck builder for like basically all of my initial brews, getting up to like. So typically, what will happen is I'll use Scryfall, get up to like eighty ish cards, and then port it over to a Moxfield list to do compares with like lists that are like a similar color to see if I miss if, if, if like missed any staples or anything. 
and then like i'll go back work, work on the scryfall list again and then like re-export to moxfield and then like i won't touch the moxfield there i won't touch the scryfall list after it's like fully completed and has wow. been fully ported over to moxfield um mostly because uh scryfall has autocomplete on the bulk edit for the building um mm. So like if you if you type in like meta VA and then just like hit enter, it'll auto complete to meta vault. Oh, or like yeah, or like it'll sweet. do some like it'll do some like autocorrect stuff on like a like if you like misspell names by like one or two characters or stuff like that. So like the way that I brew, again, very stream of thought. I don't like search things up and then like drag them into the deck. I just like type out the card and then hit enter and keep typing out cards. Um so it's just way more, and like it, it, it just works way better for me because I can just like type out most of a card name, and then hit enter and keep going. So it's just like the most efficient way to get cards out of my brain and onto a site. Okay, so now now there's two things I want to touch on. Okay, so I'll, I'll first cover the thing that that you should read that I find um, weird and and just doesn't doesn't sit right with me. I mean, it's obviously yep. it's just a personal preference thing. Yeah, the fact that work. you would you'd get to eighty cards and then you do start doing Moxfield compares with other lists. Um, yeah, that that so I mean you you I, we kind of touched on this earlier and I'll, I'll give kind of the reason why I, I want it's actually kind of it's a through line through both of the points I want to touch, um, which is that I think creativity in deck building and and creativity when I mean like finding cards that basically no one else that people are missing in in the other standard lists that you know are just good. That should be in the list. Oh, like yeah, finding so, those kinds of cards, I think, is something that needs to be done. It, through my opinion, so, basically systematically. Like creativity is it has a weird systematic approach. It's not just pulling ideas out of the ether. And I try and avoid like looking at other pe- what other people are doing for fear that it's gonna, I'm gonna their influence is gonna ruin my creativity until the end. So like I'll. I'll try and get whatever I, I think is right on paper. And then at the very last thing I'll do is check, compare notes to other people because I'll be like, ah, oh, shit, I missed that. Or then I can be like, no, I, I see what they're doing now because I just did built the deck from scratch my, or scratch myself. Um, so I see what they're doing. I think this is wrong. I think this is right. Yeah, this was a great idea. I I'll, won't compare notes to the end because then I think it, it makes it, you get better creativity that way. So I, I will say that typically all of that creativity happens in the first 80 cards and also like a lot of the time if i'm building like a four or five color deck it, it'll get up to 100 cards before i do that um just a lot of the time like brewing like two color decks one color decks some three color decks it'll be like okay i'm gonna do all of the things that i can do to get this up to like as many cards as i think is reasonable before i like start having to think about things that have actually like i might have actually just forgotten to put in that are staples or whatever and then i need to go cross check so like all of the in-depth scryfall searches have been done in that 80 cards before i take a look at another list okay okay yeah. i was gonna say yeah often often what i find 80, myself checking cards, for last is the cards, missing whatever. staples and obvious stuff yeah that, that's um, what the compare is for yeah yeah yeah. the, yeah. the compare okay. is for like have i missed like or there are like glaring misses in the staples package or in the mana base or whatever um yeah, and so then so circling back <laughs> yeah, to the, the Deathblade Elite thing um, and tying this in with the kind of creativity or whatever, I'm, I'm interested in your guys' process and, and philosophies and thoughts on that kind of creativity and finding those cards in CDH. Because I think it's it very much is trawling through Scryfall. 
right? Uh, but it's it's not just troll. Like so, I think in my opinion, like you 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 put something a category vague enough, um, or like you know you're like let's say you're brewing for Kinnan, um, and you're like I think that every, um, you know, so I mean I've got some okay I'm a bit vague about these cards before. Um, I'm very high on the uh, the one mana green Springleaf drum type effects in Kinnan. Yeah, it's really um, caretaker, et cetera. It's really caretaker. Whatever. There's like three or four of them now. There's yeah, they're, they're a new one, Sentinel Stalwart, I think. Um, I'm very high on those. I think those cards are fantastic. They tap for any mana of any color. You play it on turn one, turn two, you're going to play Clinton, and then you are you have two mana immediately, and it's you could hold up like double blue if you really wanted to. Um, I think they're fantastic. But I think you come across those kinds of cards, not necessarily just by doing a... I think it's partially by doing a, a like a Scryfall thing, by just searching for anything that taps for mana. Um that can happen, but also like a, it might be an idea of like, huh, I think anything that produces mana and is like one, like one CMC or like zero CMC and Ken and something like that is positive or also things that aren't, or that are creatures because then you can at least hit more off of cannon activations. Um, like you need, I think sometimes it is just like you'd have a vague concept of what might be good in the deck. And then you go through the scryfall and then you can, you're, You've already primed yourself to kind of pick that yeah. out of the crowd. Because if you're I, just, I think if you're just blanket, blanket going through Scryfall, it's very easy to miss certain cards. So right? I, I've said this before, I think on the podcast, and it's certainly like, it, it's been a large, like I, I've carried this through even from like Yu-Gi-Oh days, um, like pre-Magic days for me of uh, brewing decks and like how to, how to make decks come together. Uh, and it's like very similarly related where, um, a huge idea for me is that like you should be able to conceptualize of a card that you would love to have in a deck or like a card that like really fits a missing role in a deck or something like that uh, and basically have a fully formed idea or like relatively fully formed idea of what that card would look like in your head and then you go search to see if that card exists and if it doesn't you go to see what the closest analogs to that card are Honestly, that that so is a like, very similar it's, it's, process to how yeah. Wingcrafter for uh, yeah, Thrasios yeah, yeah. Timna came yeah, about. Exactly yeah. right. It's yeah. you're, you're you conceptualize like that's actually a very good. I that's a very good uh, thing, right? Is like yeah. Okay, I, I I'm conceptualizing of okay, what's the missing slot in this deck? The missing slot something in this that deck maximizes is Timna. A yeah. card that like lets you get in consistent attacks with Timna is relatively low CMC and is preferably a creature so that I can go find it on short notice with all these creature tutors. Yeah. And then you go, okay, what would that what would that even look like? Okay, maybe it like makes a bunch of flyers on ETB or like is a flyer that comes with like another one or something like that. Or like maybe it's like some unblockable thing with like another effect or, or something. Like that. Just like yeah. something like that. And then you go through and you search through and it's like, oh, okay. Like, so Loyal Apprentice is really good, but it's not the colors. So like maybe it's something like Loyal Apprentice. Then you go through and you search through and you search through and you search through. And it's like, okay, well, there's not really anything that gives like, like hasty thopters or like even like good like a good rate on thopter series or just get like one for two mana or like one yeah, the mana, best whatever. the best rate is uh a cult epiphany but y'all aren't ready to have that discussion yet i i don't even <laughs> <laughs> do you want to you want to read that one from memory <laughs> it's uh, like you... blue blue x instant uh draw x cards discard oh, yeah, x no, cards and then for yeah, each terrible. different yeah, card terrible, type terrible, among terrible, you the ones you discard terrible. you make a one the actual one, one flyer <laughs> It's like the best on rate to make just it's random so flying bad. bodies. Um, <laughs> oh, like that, also, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I realize as we're having this discussion, I do also use another website to brew, and yes. maybe this is a shameful admission. Tap tap. Uh, <laughs> EDH rack. Um, yeah. Oh, yep, oh yep, true. Yep, no, yep, actually, yep, that's just, very true. Just, for for first spice, of all, just yeah. a quick 
scroll through the page of your commander just like either for cards that you might want to play or like ideas of oh people you know are like this type of effect is something that people seem to think is good with this you know is that something i want to take advantage of um and then also i'll occasionally uh do um i'll do card based searches like i'm playing you know this weird card that works really well with my deck Let's see what other cards. Uh, let's see what other smart play. people. If if people are really smart to think of Deathblade Elite, let's see what those other smart people. Yeah, thought like of too. what what kind of decks or like what cards does Deathblade Elite appear with? And it's like yeah. you know because people are gonna put Deathblade Elite in a deck that can buff its power easily. So you'll find power buffing cards, but you'll also find other cards that are really good when you buff their power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, yeah, it's just useful. Like obviously. Uh, the decks that feed it are a bit of a mixed bag um but uh it's like it's it's sort of a fuzzy it's a fuzzy and broad search uh but every once in a while you'll just find something that like you know you haven't thought of or like oh you know that card uh you know people like just it'll it'll give you ideas yeah, well, I mean, with, with EDH rec, I'll, I'll often go, and then, so, like, I'll do the Moxfield compare, and then my, or often, right before I do the Moxfield compare, I'll do the uh, the EDH rec search. I'll be like, what are the, what are mid-power players up to with this commander? Because I think it's often a very fruitful um, resource for finding cards that maximize your commander's not not always but you can find gems sometimes of cards that maximize your commander's ability or or have like that that synergy and really lean into it because mid power and lower powers tend to be more commander centric um whereas cdh you tend to get closer to like a canadian highlander sort of thing where you're playing just generic good cards right so there is there i think it's important to strike the right balance between you know leaning into your commanders and just playing the generic good standalone cards. And I think TDH players tend to skew uh, f- towards the latter and not, you know, building into their commander strengths necessarily. And I think that's where you'll find those kind of gems. And and ideally you want like what I, I'd call the minimum effective package of cards that do that, right? You don't want to have, you know, 25 cards all necessarily just trying to do that all reliant on your commander. But if you can have, know five cards if it's like the seedborn muse biomance's familiar training grounds cradle crop rot thing for like thrasios that's all you need to really maximize your thrasios then perfect you know like you'll find those kinds of cards on edh rec sometimes yeah um well you agree i use edh rec probably more than i should just like <laughs> just like just random commanders being like, has anybody done anything new with these? No? Okay, cool. I'll check it again. Like, in All a right, months. I confess. <laughs> all my decks, I just start by, like, copying EDH Rex's uh, <laughs> suggested deck list. And... The, what is it? The uh, the one that I always come back to and specifically look at EDH Rex for is Amara Soul of the Accord. <laughs> I've, I've been coming back to that one for, like, three years now. <laughs> just because it's just like, somebody has to be doing something interesting with this, right? <laughs> Right? Or is that the one that makes a one one when you tap it? It's a two two. It's a two mana two two that makes a one one when you tap it. Yes. Why? Wow. <laughs> because because it makes things when it gets tapped and it's only two mana. <laughs> You're not. Those are both true statements. <laughs> is it just sort of worse, Magda? Yeah, probably, almost certainly. But it's <laughs> you like, never know. It's like I mean, you, Magda, can, you play with like. 
the things it makes are worse, and it doesn't have an ability to use them built in. But it's in more colors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you slam, you slam a coalition, not coalition relic, uh, relic of legends, yeah. uh, cryptolith right, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, all, all it, this stuff. Uh, Jahara. Wait, doesn't relic of legends only tap legendary creatures? Yeah, but I, I mean, mean it will spit out the tokens. Is, the actual answer is uh, you're supposed to be an Earthcraft combo deck with like some type of untapper, but I haven't found the untapper that works yet. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah. yeah yeah sorry i mean we're getting sidetracked on almost just actually looking at card considering cards for an actual brew which we're not supposed to be doing here yeah, um but yeah I, I, that that was a really uh fascinating uh fascinating discussion and, and learned <laughs> a lot about listeners, uh, you guys from for us for just i i feel like we just like don't talk about our brewing process to each other at all so it's a, yeah it's no I, I really enjoyed that so hopefully hopefully our listeners enjoyed that as well and i'd be i'd be very interested um to hear if our listeners have like a vastly different process or take, yeah, or I would, I would if they resonate with any particular one of us as a style, actually, you know what? I'm going to change the gut check and I'm, we're going to just skip ahead to it. I, I, the gut check is just going to be listeners vote on <laughs> whose brewing style resonates with you the most. And I'll, I'll, I'll add an other, and then you can go explain the other in a, yeah, in yeah, yeah, or yeah. somewhere like that. Um, that's, that's, just that's absolutely really cool. no respect for structure. Correct. <laughs> um, i mean do you want to do you want to do the gut check injury right now we could do it and then we just yeah whose brew style do you resonate with most gut cool check. okay back to the main topic i resonate um, with lindens the most there that's the shocking. <laughs> uh okay so i guess the, to close it out we uh we had a couple things which was like how to or Reed wrote this, how to optimize enjoyment for your own approach to brewing. Yeah, um, and I think we're not going to get into huge discussions about yeah, this. Yeah, we don't need to get like, We covered a lot some, of this. Uh, some stuff here, some uh, quick tips. I just had some written down if you guys have some as well. Um, I just have some, like, quick archetypes of people um, or, like, brewing styles here that, like, if you come close to, maybe consider some of this stuff because it might be interesting or, like, a new way to look at it. Um, uh, first one here is uh, if you're sort of like an optimization type where you like optimizing for archetypes or optimizing uh, certain decks and just like want to make them better and like keep iterating on them. Uh, I think I've said this a lot before, but you should try just like cutting stuff more heavily than you usually would and just like play games with a bunch of the stuff cut out of the deck. Obviously replace with stuff. Don't register illegal decks, please. Um, but... Uh, just, like, play games with decks with a lot of stuff that you w you wouldn't usually cut out of them. Uh, cut out stuff sort of, like, on the fringes of what's necessary for the deck to function. And then just see how it functions without them and see, like, what you actually end up playing like. And if the deck seems relatively similar or, like, oh, hey, like, yeah, maybe I didn't need that effect as much. Maybe I can uh, fit in some more stuff. I think that's always that's that's always a an interesting and, like, sort of new way uh to optimize rather than just like you get to 100 cards and you're just like okay i need to find like direct one for one swaps okay so i actually want to 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 talk about this one sort of briefly so my kind of philosophy on cards making it into decks and stuff is that a card you need to be able to justify a card in theory before you even consider it in practice like to be have it be a hundred percent inclusion in a deck um and so I often won't want to even test a card unless I can at least sort of justify it through theory. Um, like if it's just, it's like, there's no, if I can't even think of a valid reason why I'd want this, you know, 
that 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 a lot of cards fall into that category. So I usually won't even bother testing something like that. Um, now, with, with what you're saying with cutting stuff, I think you're if you're cutting things that are justified by theory already, um, and then seeing how the deck functions, I think decks are generally pretty resilient. Like you could cut a card. There's certain cards in your decks that you're never going to actively tutor for. So it might be something like a Mind Break Trap, right? Um, you're not really going to tutor for Mind Break Trap, but you know when you have it, you're you sure are glad uh, to see it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, you, you'll tutor for it sometimes, but like you, you get you get what I'm saying, right? Like uh, there's cer certain cards are um, in there to be tutored for and searched for. Some of them are in there just because of their inherent high card quality or utility. Um, and if you cut those cards the one you're going to miss the cards that you're going to be actively tutoring for um but it's going to be it's going to take a lot of games for you to notice the that you're missing a mind break trap um because you know you've got all these other redundant counter spells and blah 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 and so you can cut the mind break trap and you're just like man my deck still functions just fine or like it's barely noticeable as different because it's such a small change and it's going to come up in so few games that i think people will apply that I, i've seen people justify that or use use that kind of logic to justify cuts that really shouldn't be cut um although sure, i do yeah, think I, this is a very powerful tool that people should employ yeah, more i just wanted to, to give a caveat for it the, the idea here wasn't like oh cut your interaction suite or like cut your like cut just like a bunch of stuff from the deck and then play it without that and like oh like hey man be better like i'm, I'm again i was specifically talking about like stuff that's like sort of on the edge of what you would consider cuttable. yeah yeah um, in terms of like to the deck's core functioning is what I'm talking about, right? Like cutting, cutting like the edges of the pieces of the engine and seeing how the deck functions. Yeah, I often like doing this with win cons, um, right? Or redundancy, yeah, like redundancy that, and win that, cons. That, like, do you need your plan C? About, right? Do you need your plan D? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, like stuff, yeah. stuff that like is sort of quote unquote core to the functioning of the deck, and just like see how far you compare those back. And like, obviously. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't think they're necessary, you might still like the play patterns of having them in the deck. So, like, put them back in. Obviously, it's your deck. I'm just saying, like, just yeah, consider yeah. cutting more heavily than you usually do and test the deck in that state um, before, like, putting stuff back in and swapping stuff around. No sacred cows. Exactly. I mean, some um, sacred cows. You should be playing on the <laughs> roof, but, you know. <laughs> um, I, I had underneath here for um, just, you know, test slots, and, and we talked about it a bit earlier, but I just wanted yep. to say that I think... One of the values of test slots is not just for optimizing for your particular deck, but um, you know, I was talking about my theory that you need to justify a card, or, or my my you need to justify a card through theory before you even like test it, and then you get that practical experience and it feeds back and either it updates your theory, um, or it confirms your theory, or it it you know is completely conflicted and you're like huh i've learned something new and i think that's what um the like a really strong benefit of, of test slots is is not just for a particular deck but the kind of knowledge you gain and acquire um about you know just card quality and and um card evaluation in general right um so you know an example might be from the ashes that I, we talked about earlier in the show um i'm very high on that card in low color decks that can support a lot of basics or like you don't even need a lot of basics you know like maybe like um and riel i think i run three basic islands or four basic islands and a basic mountain um and i i'm love from the ashes in that um yep. and it's a card where uh i think you know you could justify a lot of the stuff in in theory but 
playing it and actually getting the 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 hands-on experience in testing it really lets you update your just general car, uh, generic card evaluation models and lets you kind of learn more and have a better period uh, a better generic theory of magic um and i think that that really helps you make become a better brewer um yeah, yeah. um next up uh different sort of column different vertical um if you're somebody who brews for a sort of novelty of uh deck function or strategy or that kind of stuff um we definitely consider um so this is like a sort of a two-part one there's uh so digging uh for commanders that are both cheap and like uh have power in like unorthodox uh spaces um there are a lot of these around here i mean we were talking about one earlier with like amara just like looking at stuff that like commanders that cost two mana like are probably a lot of them bad if they haven't been explored but you never know and like a lot of the time just like commanders being cheap is sort of a virtue on its own um and there are a lot of ways to like sort of leverage that and just, like having your commander on turn one or turn two every game consistently even if the power level is objectively a bit low is a uh, pretty interesting and there's probably a lot to work with there so i would say like my recommendation is if you uh if you tend to brew a lot with like like big splashy commanders that cost like four or six like five mana something like around there um maybe try looking at like the lower end with things that are like less splashy but like have some maybe like niche interesting uh power and on the other side as well um maybe look look for uh look for some classes of cards that uh you think might be really powerful together that don't really have a good commander yet and eh, maybe like test to see if you can uh see if you can make a commander like sort of come together even if it's not optimal for those or if you can't just like keep an eye out for that commander i know i did that with cole i thought the equipment package had a real chance to be powerful and then cole got printed and i was like oh hot great i have like yeah. all this stuff ready to go because i've been exploring <laughs> this for a long time nice um, yeah and, and the other thing too i i would say is pick if if you can just for um I think just brewing in general and brewing lots of different unconventional, unsimilar decks makes you a better brewer for something where you, it might actually like, there might be stakes on the line or you really want to invest in a particular brew. So, you know, if you've got a low cost commander that might be powerful, one might be like a generic, um, Thrasios type clone or something, or one might be, you know, almost like feather or, uh, um, you know, coal where, where they're just, it wants you to do something really unconventional um and bizarre and i think the ability to just, just brewing that and getting the experience of going through scryfall and uh honing your card valuation skills with in in on that avenue is is just invaluable um, yeah yeah uh and then uh for the novelty of uh card choices if for people who brew for the novelty of card choices they're like playing quote-unquote pet cards um again <laughs> like uh brackets non uh, derogatory um but like people who like playing with like cars they just enjoy playing with again no judgment i for a long time i just like to play with waste not i thought waste not was the hottest <laughs> shit i still think it's pretty cool um i just i just like playing with some cars sometimes um so for anybody that's sort of in that class or identifies with that um uh i would say uh two things so um you can just put your pet cars into established strategies and established decks and play with those if what you care about is performing well with pet cards, um, which is a very clear distinguish distinguishment from uh, if you want your pet cards to perform well, like you want your pet cards to look good, uh, like in a shell that makes them look good, 
Um, I would say consider even like dropping any idea of even having to play the like good meta win cons or like win lines or like any like a lot of like powerful stuff and like just try building into them even more heavily obviously still in a cdh sense but you know like play play your staples but you don't have to be like locked to like the good win cons uh to make a deck work well if you want to like make your if you want to make the card that you like to play with good yeah doesn't you just try and force yourself to use the card right yeah like, that too yeah um if, if a lot you're of people get stuck disguising in like it just a really in a meta icky. shell, right? It's so easy yeah. to ignore it or play around it. Whereas if yeah. it's like, I'm going to play this card and it's going to be the almost like a focal point of my strategy. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're you're going to have to figure out a way to make it work. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise things are not going to go well. So yeah, uh, tinker swim with that one. Any cool. closing points that anyone would like to make? That was basically my entire closing point. So go for it. <laughs> Morgan? No, I think I'm good. I think we've... Uh, okay, I, I can't believe I initially thought this was going to be like a an hour-long episode. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoNorthPod, via our email, IntoNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash in the north podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music and to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo. The next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. See ya.